Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and so many theories. You can follow The Story Tinker right here on YouTube, as well as all podcast platforms. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. For bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. If you like what you see, please like and subscribe. Thank you for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of the Purple Hyacinth podcast, Faithful Friend. And we are with Laura and Foot. Hey, this is Laura. Awesome, awesome. So last episode ended with Lauren being out on patrol and them finding a woman who had done something. We don't quite know yet. And we are continuing with that storyline. So the woman's running away. Will and Lauren are running after her. They nod to each other. And we get this interesting scene where we kind of see how good their training has been and how much they've trained together. So we have zipping around, you know, they're, obviously very very fast and you know they've turned into lines <laughs> and more zipping jumping on roofs I mean it's very cute because they're it's over the top exaggerated um you know like ninja like but it's cute it's funny Lauren's jumping on roofs I mean she can she can do like what is it called parkour <laughs> yeah it's just like super strong nice parkour skills I remember yeah. like many months ago like almost a year ago there were people trying to figure out how she was physically able to do that I don't remember what conclusion they came to but I'm pretty sure it was something along the lines of Lauren is Spider-Man there is no actual physical way she could do this (laughs) I take it like you know for um yeah it's part of the like the story it's just funny it's exaggerated (laughs) you know when she and Lauren and Kieran like bounce along the rooftops like clearly they're not bouncing you know it's just cute don't do this at home, kids. Right. right. <laughs> so Lauren's bounding along on top while women, Will is pursuing on the ground. The woman has her dagger and is running away. But then Lauren whoop, jumps right in front of her. So she is caught between the two of them and cannot escape. And Will says, surrender and will resolve this calmly, ma'am, which I love because Will is such a cutie pie. He treats everybody like a gentleman, right? He's mm-hmm. like, you know, courteous, calm, calls her ma'am. Which I know food, you're probably gonna have a lot to say, but I like my yeah, I, don't, hmm? I don't about that. Like calling her a man, that's fine. It's just it's not a respect for someone. No, I don't mean about man, I mean about this whole interaction. But the truth is oh. okay, we'll talk about it. Um he says an entire squad of police officers sir, blah, police officers saw you do that. And there's no use trying to run. And they both got their guns pointed at her, she has her dagger out. Will says you have the right to remain silent. Anything you can and say will be held against you in court. Um, and then he nods to Lauren, who's nodding behind him. She still has a dagger out. She's sweating. She's nervous. Lauren runs and says, you have the right to an attorney. And then there's a very nice juxtaposition of kind of like flashbacks to them training together. And it just shows you how well they've trained and how they learn to coordinate their actions. So you see, you know, Lauren in training running while the Lauren in real life is also running. She picks up her hand while Will also rushes forward and says, if you cannot afford one, and then Rack, they disarm her. They knock the dagger out of her hands. And there's a very lovely image of Lauren kicking it out of her hands. And the top part of her is her now in present time. And the bottom part of it is her training with Will. It's really nicely done. 
and yeah, the visual language is like mm-hmm. beautiful. It's like beautiful storytelling. Yeah, this is one of my favorite sequences just because of how um, the past and present are both tied in together. Yeah, you see like the trust that Will and Lauren have together, and you know they're not a duo that are focused on all the time, but we occasionally get hints of how close they really are and how much they've grown up together, and we'll get more as the story goes on. But it's nice to see that they too have a bond that is, you know, important and present. Mm-hmm. And. Like we know that they were childhood friends at this point in the story, but again, like Mindy said, we're really seeing it in action and how these two work together rather than being told it. Yeah, they have a whole system. Oh, sorry, what was that, Mindy? Yeah, go ahead. Um, they have a whole system worked out between them. Like they don't even need to verbally communicate anymore. Sorry, I'm trying to navigate around my cat. Um, they just like nod and they... Um, make eye contact and they just kind of do their thing mm-hmm. um by the way food, like, you know speaking of the power of platonic friendships right uh-huh. which originally I mean, was not supposed to be platonic but <laughs> if if lauren and will were loon i think loon by now would be have taken down the phantom side because <laughs> will would never join just work though. so well together like it wouldn't be first night because they both have their own problems to sort through, but they would be able to get it after a while. <laughs> they probably would. Their interrogations would definitely go better. I don't think Will would ever oh, yeah. because he's so rule bound, but they wouldn't have this like this action going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although Kieran's like connections with the Phantom Scythe is part of what makes Loon work so well. Mm-hmm. So I guess... Lauren would have to infiltrate the Phantom Scythe to make that that work. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. Um, and one other thing I think is really nice about Lauren and Will working together so well in this scene is like they're they know how to um, quickly and effectively disarm um, the thief, um, the criminal here, like. They take turns saying, reading her her rights, right? So she's like looking back and forth. She's like, oh, you're talking. Oh, wait, no, you're talking. Oh, wait, you're talking. And so she like doesn't know where to look. And while she's distracted, um, that's when they like move in to take the knife away and then handcuff her. And Lauren catches the knife after she uh, kicks that out of her hand. So it all happens really quickly. She kicks it out of um, the criminal's hand and then Will handcuffs her. And then Lauren catches the knife in the next panel. It's like, whoa, it all happens so quickly. It really emphasizes the effectiveness of the police and the training that they've gone through, especially since we're shown the training montage or right. scene alongside. So, right, yeah, um, I, which again speaks to this like really beautiful visual storytelling of the history that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we continue down, um, there's someone, someone. William Hawks, Lauren Sinclair, impressive teamwork. You both have passed your last physical aptitudes test. So this is obviously in the past. You've all met, or you've met all the requirements to enter the intensive training program. Um, so I think also, not only is it like really beautiful visual storytelling, I think it's also a way for us to like kind of peek into um, what their muscle memories would be like. Like they've probably done this routine 
so many times and it like feels really familiar and maybe a little nostalgic for the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, maybe this is some, some of the things that they're thinking of, like flashes of these memories are coming to mind when they do this together. Cause and- when at the end, Oh, I'm sorry, Fu, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go. Oh, okay. I was just going to say at the end of the previous episode, I was like, Oh, why did, why did Will choose Lauren specifically instead of having Kim join him? And then we see very clearly why, because they, they work so well together. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure where this was mentioned, but we know fr- that one of them, at least, did uh, graduate mm-hmm. early. And so oh, I, I think yes. it might have been Will. Yes, I actually have, have the MI notes. Yeah, that was in episode six. Um, both of them graduated early. Will said, I wonder if we should have graduated early in episode six. And Lauren said, ha, we would have been far too bored otherwise. We were already driving our instructors mad. So actually, th- to your point, Foot, I wonder if... Um, this kind of ties in with what we're going to see later on with kind of Will's stuff that he's going on. But like Lauren, I imagine wanted to graduate early because she really wanted to take down the Phantom Scythe. She's like really driven by this obsession to avenge Dylan's murder. Um, but yeah, like, why would Will want to graduate early? Why would he want to push himself? Um, uh, I can learning- I can tell you one reason why it starts with an S, but. <laughs> And ends yeah. with an R because it's spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Especially another yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we get more into his backstory later. Um, but at this point, like, were they just super competitive with each other? Did they just like want to one up each other? And just so that's why they graduated early, or are they just both really driven? Or is it both driven? You know, both. I think they're driven. I don't see them being very competitive. Will, I think, is competitive, but I don't think he's competitive against his friends. I think he's just more competitive with himself. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. The fact here that they've met the requirements to enter the intensive training program, like they're doing well. They're not doing the regular training program. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, going back to their conversation in episode six uh will said true but who would have thought we'd go from playing cops and robbers in your mother's garden to this in reference to um the murder that they were called out to but like they've been doing this sort of interaction and like this sort of uh play with each other like their whole life like childhood and then they went to the police academy together and now they're working together. This is something that like, you're like super, super familiar with each other in doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this episode just really speaks volumes to Lauren and Will's relationship and their bond. And just we've seen Lauren and Kim be close, but we a lot of times you don't see as much of Will and Lauren being close. And this is one of those scenes where we really get to explore their relationship and we get we as an audience get to see what it's like for them. Yeah, it was nice to see that. So now we're back in the present and Lauren looks at, out of the corner of her eye and she sees this giant bag of jewelry. And she says, you have refined taste in jewelry, but your shoplifting skills lack of that level of elegance. I'm like, oh, it's a burn. <laughs> and Will opens the radio, he's like, Lieutenant Hawk speaking. We are at the intersection of Delft Street and St. Isidore Street. The suspect is in custody. Please send a. And then she yells out loud. She says, it's for my mother. She's lying. Please, I know what I did is wrong. And that's true. But she's ill and I need the money to pay for her treatment. And that's a lie. 
So Will looks at her kind of with like a shocked face and you can tell like his sympathies are being tugged because um, he doesn't know whether, whether that she's lying. And, you know, it's nice to see that. It's nice to see that Will has a heart, right? I mean, I wouldn't expect otherwise of him. And he clearly has stopped talking because the radio says Lieutenant Hawks and he like shakes his head and he says, yes, yeah, sorry, bring the car, thank you. And you can tell this is disturbing him emotionally because mm-hmm. Will is a sweetie pie and he has sympathy for her. And he, he also, also knows, yeah, he also still is going to do his job. But um, we know from, I think also from episode six that his, his own mom has a lot of health problems. And so the fact that the, the criminal is like, it's for my mom, he, um, yeah. Yeah, it like really touches his heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally yeah. forgot about that, by the way, <laughs> which I can't believe I forgot. But yeah, it's hundred percent. Yeah, and t- at, up to this point, besides in episode six, it doesn't really seem like there's much conflict for Will yet, at least because Lauren and Karen, obviously, they're loon. They have that conflict. Kim is leading on to something bigger in ep- such as in episode eighteen when she's shooting at the um, targets and we see those dates and time stamps flashing in our mind but otherwise for will he's kind of a blank slate up up to this point and for much of season one he doesn't get too much attention conflict wise but yeah this is a very telling moment for his character and i think i don't remember exactly where it starts in the episode Episode, but it's around the scene the music starts I know we can't play it on the podcast but it like it's around this area um when Will is like taken aback by the idea of someone stealing so they could help pay for their sick mom their sick mom's treatment um and the the music hold on let me double check the track I think is called distant music let me double check that which as we go through, I feel like is super poignant to Will because it basically just outlines Will's interaction from this point to, um, it doesn't go to the very end of the episode. Uh, sorry, yeah, distance music mm. is what the track is called. So anyway, going back to where we left off, um, Will is like, yes, bring the car. Bah, 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 bah. I'm scrolling back up. Um, and then Lauren can tell that Will is bothered. There's a, a panel for looking at him and being concerned. Oh, I love that yeah. face. So I think that also tells us that she is aware of Will's struggle again because of episode six I don't really Mm -hmm. remember episode six that much so it's a bit vague in my mind Mm -hmm. but yeah her also realizing that and that Will would be bothered by the mother comment again this episode is about their relationship and there is a lot that we learn Mm -hmm. but um to your point earlier Mindy like they're both super professional so she doesn't bring that into her work she directs comments to the thief and says even if it's for a noble cause stealing is still illegal she knows 
the thief was lying, but she doesn't bring that up. She just, even if it's for a noble cause, you know, stealing's still illegal. So you didn't hurt anyone. So you might be able to get away with just a fine, which is probably good news for the thief. You're more used to your mother, you know, hinting, like, I know you're lying. Whoever, like, whatever you did this for, it, you're more, more used to your mother if you're not behind bars. So maybe next time you should think twice before robbing a jewelry store in broad daylight. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, Lauren's comment about how stealing is still illegal, even if it's for a noble cause. It's very ironic <laughs> because <laughs> that's a good point. She herself <laughs> is working under the law. We're like, I, <laughs> she herself is kind of violating the law with Loon. And that is such a good point. What they're doing yep. maybe you know, slightly illegal. Nope. Exactly. And, you know, they say it's for a noble cause, but I can still see Lauren, like, going to jail for it and her being, and, like, the people jailing her for it being justified in what they're doing. Yep. That's, yep. Very true. I mean, honestly, it's one of the, like, when people live in real life, they do questionable things and you know sometimes maybe like you said you've called her for critical before and that's this is a good example of that which is very real and very human mm -hmm. people are blind to everyone's faults by their own but the truth is i mean she does knock herself you know down for doing that also so like she does feel have complex feelings about that deal that she made so it's not entirely blind you know like she does recognize that she's eh, questionable <laughs> That's true. And but, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you can go. Um, well, I was just going to point out that the thief robbed a jewelry store in broad daylight, like a big bag. Lauren called it like it was very in an inelegant way of robbing something that's so elegant, like it was just very brash and open. Um, so it was, oh, gosh, I lost my train of thought. It was easy to see and call out what Lauren does is more hidden yeah maybe that's what I was trying to say I totally lost my train of thought sorry go ahead food I can't remember it either <laughs> <laughs> um oh I, I remember my my thought now okay so the thief probably was pretty desperate like we don't know I have a couple thoughts oh, yeah. one she was absolutely like pushed a state of desperation where even though there was a whole like squad of police right outside of the store. She went in and stole a big bag anyway. Um, she, she wasn't thinking rationally at all. So it could be because she was very desperate and we don't know why exactly because she lied about it. Or maybe she's trying to distract the police from something else going down. Oh. Is she trying to be, uh, is she trying to lead their attention away from, from something that is actually happening in the background? And maybe that's why she lied. This is for my mom. She just tried to think of something that would make her sound sympathetic. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe something that would get, that would let the police um, let her off with a warning, right? Right. So I have some thoughts on this, but I feel I can't really say it because it relates to stuff that happens later in the story. So, uh, well, okay. I guess I'll discuss it when we get to that. <laughs> okay. And then bringing it back to Lauren. Um, so Lauren feels like she's super desperate. Like she doesn't know what else to do to try and get further her indication of in Dylan's death and the train station tragedy. Um, so 
So she's also pushed to a state of desperation, and which is why she decided to team up with Kieran and form Loom. So I think that's where I was trying to go. Oh, yeah. Um, going back up just a little bit, I was interested in um, the street names. I don't know if they have any significance. They're such odd names that I was like, maybe they are significant. Um, so I looked them up, if you'll indulge me a couple minutes. Um, so Delph Street, that I've never heard that word before. Um, not, um, go ahead. Well, Delft, I mean, it's not spelled the same, but like Delft is a city in Holland that was famous for producing, my husband's from Holland, that was produced for producing the white and blue China. <laughs> so probably not like related to this word, but still. <laughs> yeah, I did I find thinking, that as well. Go on. Maybe like Delphi. It was the um, town of the Oracle, like the city of the Oracle in ancient Greece. So could be like prophecy. Oh, it could be. Um, yeah, the Delphi relates specifically to Apollo from what I looked up because I was looking up because there's Delphine, which is like dolphin, oh, no. and then Delphi, which is like relating to Apollo, the Greek sun god, and then Delph, um, which is that place in Holland, but it, it, the Irish word means like crockery, like pot, pots yeah. and stuff that's like made out of pottery, um, and there's another definition for it. Oh my god, that's genius! I, I'm um, one. <laughs> lost in my notes. Um, so Delph, when it's spelled D-E-L-F, could mean excavation, like an, a mine or a quarry, or it could mean like a pond or a drain or a ditch. Um, so the thief was excavating jewels from the store and trying to ditch the scene. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's clever, Laura. <laughs> I don't know. So there could be lots of different things about why they chose the word Delft for Delft street. I think, and then go on. I think I have an idea, but I can't oh. say it yet because it would be spoilers. Oh no. I was so curious. Um, Maybe and the then, end. okay. Um, and then St. Isidore, again, I've never heard of St. Isidore and I'm not like super well-known about, I don't know saints really at all, but um, I looked up St. Isidore and there's two, um, according to franciscanmedia.org, there's St. Isidore the farmer and um, he was known for his love of the poor and um, there's accounts of him miraculously supplying people with food. He had a great concern for the proper treatment of animals. But there's also St. Isidore of Seville. And he his life was a time of conflict and growth for the church in Spain. Spain was split in two, and he helped reunite Spain, making it a center of culture and learning. Um, he was sometimes called the schoolmaster of the Middle Ages. Um, and then at the end of like the little spiel about him at the website it said something that I thought like related to the story that said our society can well use Isidore's spirit of combining learning and holiness loving understanding and knowledge can heal and bring a broken people back together people who are swamped by riches and overwhelmed by scientific and technological advances can lose much of their understanding and love for one another which I feel like um um the phantom scythe was formed to try to bring people together and to get rid of the society where like they just care about riches and people on the who are poor don't matter but then they became 
they kind of lost that along the way and became really corrupt. Um, so I went, I don't know, I don't know if the creators put that much thought into the street names, but I just thought I'd bring that. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, like the names and their meanings relate way too much to the story to be coincidence. <laughs> yeah i like that i mean the part about saint isidore being concerned about the poor that i think definitely relates to this because we don't know much about this woman like we don't know this is why i have like from a narration perspective and again this really what happens later i'm not quite sure what their intention is with the story but if it's meant to highlight the plight of the poor then the saint isidore thing would make sense mm -hmm. and Looking at the woman, I, I think she would definitely come from a more poor area. Her clothes aren't as clean as like Lauren or Wills or Kim's that we, like that we usually see them in. So I think it is possible to say that her stealing the jewelry was out of desperation. normal food oh. um, I, small bits wouldn't be sustainable over a long period of time my internet cut out and i didn't hear a lot of what you said but okay oh <laughs> it's fine but, you know, i don't know whatever hopefully it got recorded <laughs> i heard you so <laughs> okay okay <laughs> look, on my end it still looks like it's recording so i think we're okay Okay. So um, should we move on to the next part? Yep. Okay. So the police car arrives. Um, looks like they're putting her in it. They're, you know, signing some papers, doing their average rated paperwork. And then Will and Lauren are just, you know, back there in the alley. Looking very fine, by the way. <laughs> they look really good. And Will kind of has this uh, stoic look on his face at this point but you can tell he's disturbed and Lauren's observing it and she understands that he's feeling you know morose and she decides to distract him she's like let's hurry before Kim takes over the entire city she's trying to cheer him up and he's like in step and then we get a, 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 a here in step limp meat bags and that would be Kim <laughs> and we'll just like yeah we know <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I would never know like what Kim does with just a little bit of authority, just a little bit of power. <laughs> yeah. So, and she has definitely distracted him. She's achieved her objective. And she, he says, or before she starts hunting down watermelons instead of directing the patrol. And we have a figure in the back of them. We just see now like the two of them laughing and walking along and we see a figure in black behind them. We see him repeatedly over the next couple of scenes, panels. And Lauren says to him, hey, Will, I know you don't like to talk about your problems, but something's been bothering you lately, right? And then she says, I had a lot on my mind too. She like puts her hand over her face. And, and this is a, a flashback, right? Mm -hmm. To an this earlier panel. scene in the, yeah, it was a flashback to an earlier scene in the police department. The, yeah. Cause Kim came yeah. over to Lauren and was like, what, why didn't you sleep? And she's like, I had a lot on my mind. And then Will, he didn't sleep either. And he said, I had a lot on my mind too. Yeah. And so down. Lauren's been thinking about this. She's been thinking about like, what is Will thinking about? Why is he so bothered? 
And I love this panel. I love how there's the, you know, Sof and Epher, so or Sof, I guess, is so capable of expressing his emotions because you know, Lauren's saying, is there anything I can do to help? And you kind of see Will a little bit frozen because I think he's just also not used to unburdening his feelings and he's used to keeping things inside. And it's like a little bit of a conflict. Like, you know, he has pain, but he doesn't want to share it. And like, it's, he's like surprised that someone's asking about it. And it's, it's just so painful to see, you know, like it's hard enough that human beings go through stuff and for them to have that additional burden of not sharing it is just, it's hard to see someone do that. And um, it's interesting that you say that he's frozen because I think the weather in this scene is like reflects Will's inner state. It's snowing. It's like lightly, it's cold is lightly snowing and then so you imagine it's freezing and then he freezes himself <laughs> you know like it, Lauren asks that question and he freezes ah oh, sweet boy oh, and he says Lauren or thanks Lauren well I won't lie and say nothing is wrong but you know I'll be fine and then his eyes go black he like steals himself so don't worry I'll handle it and the mask what the mask does is so symbolic because there are times when the authors show us through the mask and they like, you know, kind of show us what's behind the mask. But now when he puts on a smile and he says, you know, we'll be fine. And the mask goes back to being opaque. And he's like, that's him. He's putting on his mask. He's putting his smile back on. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And looking at the lighting in these two panels as well. Thanks, Lauren. Most of his face is in the light. Um, but then, you know, I'll be fine. Most of his face is in the dark. He's like, really really closing himself off mm-hmm. uh, and, is not dumb sorry who did i what were we oh, gonna say sorry. i was gonna say that like right after will goes back into the dark lauren kind of um the panels of her of the bottom half of her mouth become darker but then in the next panel she's in the light while will is in the dark mm. also mm-hmm. really interesting Mm-hmm. and lauren understands that he's you know lying to her and he says well not lying but he's not opening up and she says she thinks those words that smile he never lies but and she has this grim set to her mouth and she says you know she kind of doesn't look away from him but she has this very concerned look i mean she doesn't look at him and she said is it your mother Aww. and poor will he still has a smile on his face and he says and again, he's still a mask, like Lauren is, we see through her mask, but he is, his mask is opaque. And he says, among other things, yes. Oh. And then he turns away and he says, sorry, I, and he doesn't want to talk about it. And Lauren goes and pats him on the back. <laughs> she says, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Um, but it's interesting. One of the top comments to this episode is that, um, Lauren wants Will to like open up and break down his walls, but she won't do that for herself. Um, but she can see, but she also doesn't really give Will the chance to break it down. I mean, she asks him about it and he decides not to, he doesn't want to talk about it. She can tell. So she like gives him a, a really easy, fast out, like that pat on the shoulder. I know it like, it was a very tentative attempt, I think to, mm-hmm. Um, get him to open up and when he gave her the slightest bit of resistance she said okay that's fine I know that's okay I I think it's also because Lauren just knows that he is not ready for it and so she could try but she also doesn't want to push him out of his comfort zone yeah 
because they are really good friends. They know each other really well. And they're also at work. So it's not like the best place to open up. You know, it's interesting that like I, when Lauren says it's okay, I know um, if you don't want to talk about it, I understand you don't have to. It's funny because I actually view that as like a mark of like respect and respecting someone's boundaries because I'm a very pushy person. And like my natural inclination is like, no, open up, talk about it, tell me. And then one thing I've had to work on myself is like understanding like not everyone is ready when you're ready, you know, like you have to give people time and space. So it's funny that like what I consider like something that I worked hard on to be virtuous and like not push people. You're like, oh, she's like taking the easy way out, <laughs> not letting, you know, not giving him a chance. So, but yeah, I can understand it was always a balance. Like sometimes maybe you should push people, you know, a little bit, like maybe they're doing things that are not healthy for them. And like, you should push them, hey, just open up a little or whatever the situation is. Yeah, I could see, I could see that that she's just being really respectful of him. Could be, definitely. Um, but she decides to change the topic. Um, you know what? We should hang out one of these days. It'll take your mind off of things at least. He says, that's a great idea. I'm sure a little distraction wouldn't hurt you either. You now we're back to being transparent, by the way. Yes, and they're both in the light. I don't know how to say this word. Recidivist. Thank you. Recidivist. I thought recidivist means someone who goes back to doing their, their bad habits. Recidivist. Yes. Convicted criminal. Who really yeah. Repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. So he's saying that she just won't stop being a workaholic. Um, and then she says, I'm afraid it will have to go in disguise or the women of the precinct will try to burn me at the stake. Oh, so Will's a hot item at work. <laughs> Much desired. Mm-hmm. And he says, ha ha ha, then I'm here for them and not for you. And it's nice to see him laughing. It's nice to see him like actually genuinely smiling. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Will and Lauren have had moments like this before. And it's obvious that Lauren knows how to cheer Will up and how (laughs) she is able to make fun of the other aspects of what they've experienced, which in this case are Will being the precinct prince and all the ladies being enamored with him. Both gentlemanly and handsome and smart and nice. Like he's a good package. (laughs) <laughs> oh sweet <laughs> yeah it's funny though um will says then i'd fear for them and not for you <laughs> like it says a little bit about lauren too <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah resident hot tempered <laughs> yeah <person. laughs> oh and yeah so they walk down all right let's go and there's some beautiful lighting of you know them going off in the light and she's heading off first and there's snow falling and Will, Lauren kind of hangs back a bit. And then she thinks to herself, when will you finally let down your walls, Will? Which is a super worried look on her face. We held them up for so long. And we flash back to little baby Will. And he's like, I'll, now there's teenage Will, handle. Now there's current Will, it. And he always has that fake smile on his face. And he just shoves it down. <laughs> so when I met my husband, by the way, he was like, when I, have a ne- when I have a negative emotion and when I have something that hurts me, I just shove it down. I shove it down. And I thought he was joking because my husband's a huge joker. And then I realized, no, he was 100% accurate. That's what he does with his negative feelings. So yeah, so that's like Will. Oh, <laughs> she says you need to break them. Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, you need to break them. And there's this yeah. really sad panel of Will walking away with his back turned to our perspective and 
there's like a, a reflection of him and it's just darkness and snow and cold and he's by himself and it's so sad um, yeah. so you need to break them break you. yeah and this is where i think the the music stops like the the track is for will how um how distant will is to everyone around him oh baby yeah something interesting though is how when will is leaving he is walking into the light whereas lauren is staying behind in the darkness and it's almost as if they switch positions and i think it's ironic because i think lauren's commentary on will applies a lot to herself which is why (laughs) she is still in the shadow you just blew my mind a little bit oh my gosh there's an old like Jewish phrase called uh, posel, posel, that you only see the faults that you yourself have. So yeah, yeah that's her. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely something I learned in music therapy school. Um, we just project all the time. A lot of the time we're just mirrors for each other. So like what we see in other people that we like are things that we like about ourselves. What we see in other people we don't like are things that we don't like about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, this idea, you need to break them, the walls before they break you. I think also like the idea of Will holding up all these walls. And I can think of at least four different things that he is carrying all to, like, he won't open up about, and I won't get into spoilers, but like, he has several things that he is carrying by himself. So he's probably really strong. He's probably like, you know, that's a lot to carry by yourself, but like the teeniest little thing can make everything come crumbling down and um he's like really strong but also in that same position he's also really fragile because if anything changes or shifts in a way that isn't safe then he could be like uh like buried by it Mm -hmm. will is a bit of a perfectionist it seems like since he's like lieutenant and he's pretty strict (laughs) with his coworkers, he does seem to be very um focused on being the best and being good at it so when things don't go how he expects them to go and when things don't go in positive ways it can be very harmful to him when people have high expectations sometimes the smallest thing can like trigger them and make them so unhappy whereas some people are more like go with the flow. They're like, yeah, whatever. Okay. This didn't work out, whatever, you know, but he <laughs> expects everything to be well and he can get very stressed out over small things, you know, which we'll definitely see. Ah, baby. So now we continue They, you know, end, end that scene and we go to, they're emerging from the alleyway. They go back into the sunlight, right? It's cheerful again. And Kim is there eating her watermelon. <laughs> Lucas is there and um, I think it's Harvey, maybe. And Kim just smacks, she pulls her hands out and either intentionally or unintentionally just smacks Will in the face. And, you know, I guess that's her way of greeting them. And now they're falling in line. And, you know, um, there's Lucas and <laughs> Lauren. And somebody grabs Lauren's arm. Yeah. And yeah. And that was probably the shadowy figure that we saw in the back. <laughs> mm-hmm before earlier in their episode and that was the cliffhanger of this episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Who's rather who? laughs> right we don't know 
we can infer that it was maybe Lauren because she's at the back of the line. Mm -hmm. And also there was that weird man from the other episode who was taking photos of her. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So cliffhanger, cliffhanger. (laughs) And our creator's note is eating a watermelon outside in plain winter is definitely the most responsible decision Kim has ever made in her life. I'm yeah. just surprised that she can find good watermelon in winter in our tallest. We'll do anything for that. She begs, bribes, steals. <laughs> you know, probably not, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, I, this episode showed us a lot about Will. It was definitely very much about him and his character. And mm-hmm. I think it explains... Um, some of his interactions with people in earlier episodes. Um, so many of you have called Will like boring and he's like not creative. So much Will yeah, hate. <laughs> but Wait, I, 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 don't think it's, I don't think it's untrue. Right, right, right. I just think that this kind of explains it because he like does not have room in his brain to be able to think creatively or to be able to like be spontaneous or anything like he's just he's got so much pressure that he puts on himself and from other people around him that he just like just the facts just what I need to do I can only handle that and nothing else I think he can be creative but I think he's just a more logical person and the way he does things he abides by a very specific set of rules and just guidelines for how he does things and I think yeah he's not very spontaneous he likes things to be very set and already organized so he can follow them and he doesn't have to make his own way but I think he can be creative he just doesn't want to be and he doesn't need to be at this point he's not very open to new things (laughs) I can so picture like Let's say Will and Kim's honeymoon, which will happen in the future, where Kim's like, okay, Will, you sit here, you try this. This is delicious. You have to try this. You just sit here. I'll bring you stuff to try, okay? (laughs) Being, like, overwhelmed. Well, not being able to, like, handle spice is literally one of my favorite, like, fandom jokes ever. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I don't remember that. That's funny. Oh, it's, it's, um, it's bigger on the Discord server, so I'm not sure if you're there. Oh, no. But there have been some very funny memes to come out of it. Nice. (laughs) Well, do we have closing thoughts on this chapter? A very underrated chapter. It really makes you feel for Will a lot. Oh, yeah. It is one of the more Will-centric episodes of season one, which are pretty rare, admittedly. Season one's way more focused on Kieran and Lauren and the whole loon thing. So we don't see much of Kim and Will, so it's a nice fresh uh, breath of fresh air. Yeah, and you said, some, I forget who, Mindy or who, one of you said something about like the importance of platonic friendships. Like it, this is also like how, um, I don't see that a whole lot. Um, just like, you know, Lauren, woman, Will, male, man, mm-hmm. But they're friends. There's nothing romantic between them. They're just really, really, really good friends, which yes. I think is really sweet. Let's normalize male-female friendships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, that's why I kind of prefer Kieran and Lauren as friends over, um, over like, romantic. Because, yeah, I can see them becoming romantic. But I also think that 
they have a pretty solid friendship right now and like yes their relationship could continue and it could develop further but honestly it doesn't need to be they're already pretty good right now as is Yeah, I, I personally don't want Karen and Lauren to be romantically involved because I feel like their relationship is based off of like trauma. <laughs> I don't think it would be very healthy. Well, wow. I mean, that's, the that's ideal rare. thing is, is that they work through it. But yeah, you're, that's definitely not, that's a, a common thought. <laughs> but you know, by the way, people. by the way, there are lots of relationships that are based on mutual trauma. One thing I realized that's in life. True. People, I, one of the big things I realized with my marriage was that people are attracted to each other, not only for their positive attributes, but also for the negative attributes. Like there were, there were things that I clicked with, with my husband very consciously. There were things that I was hundred percent. I knew what I wanted and I'd search for it and I got it. And then there were things that I realized years later, I was like, oh, shizzle. I clicked with my husband for a bunch of negative reasons that like was attracted to him for that he was attracted to me for the same reason as well for the opposite reason and I was like whoa that was an unhealthy thing about us that we that we that drew us to each other so it's very very interesting because you need someone who compliments your negative traits as well (laughs) so yeah it can happen (laughs) that's true what I what I mean specifically is that like they're going through this trauma together and so like they're they're bonded through this trauma of being loon and like um trying to take down the phantom scythe and there comes a lot of like violence and stuff from that and um I forget what the term in psychology is exactly but like having a relationship that's based off of like really intense emotions over one uh period of time doesn't usually last long term it's not sustainable Mm -hmm. yeah I would definitely agree with that because at this point if the phantom scythe um you know, if they if Loon is successful and they do take down the Phantom Scythe, what do they do next? They part ways and they move on with their lives. Maybe as heroes, maybe not. Depends if they survive. But <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think that the circumstances of Loon are really the best to be developing a long-term romantic relationship, especially one that's healthy. I do realize like what bonds them, like they're very similar in many ways, but what bonds them is their obsession with taking down the leader slash phantom scythe and what it has made them become. Because both of them are very, they have similarities in their traits. They're very stubborn. They're very independent. They're very strong. They're very like uh, capable. Um, they're clever. But a lot of those things developed because of their lifelong, and I don't know exactly, we don't know Kieran's history exactly, so I don't know when it started, but they've developed because of their lifelong obsession with unsettled business. They both have this unhealed trauma from their childhood that's driving them forward so they're very very similar in many ways but you're right like what would they be I don't know we don't even know what kind of people they would be if they didn't have this right they wouldn't be the same person it's like it's impossible to tell but yeah it's very interesting like what they're very similar because of their shared messed upness (laughs) and yeah yeah, what would they be without it Mm -hmm. I I could see them being romantic in like a normal setting and they just give me very right person, wrong time trope, like vibes, like, you know, that trope. So I think in another world where the Phantom Scythe wasn't a thing and they just like, you know, coincidentally met, I think it could work out. Um, it 
we can't really know because a lot of, again, what Mindy said, a lot of who they are today was because of what they experienced. So we don't really know how compatible they would be. But if it wasn't too different, I could see them like being romantic in another setting. Yeah, same. Because two, you know, the fact that they do have a similar um, reaction to their experiences does show that I think their personalities probably are similar to begin with, right? Because if not everyone would react like Lauren reacts, some people would move on, some people would be despairing and never do anything about it. But Lauren's very decisive. She's take, she tries to take action. She's compelled forward and Kieran also. So I do think that the fact that they did react in a similar way to their circumstances does show that they started with similar material, which you know, theoretically, if they wouldn't have had that situation, they still would have been attracted to each other. But yeah, it's a, it's a fun speculation, right? You could never, because you can never extract a personality out of a person's experiences. They always interact. I know in one of my undergrad class, psychology classes, the professor was like, there's this common myth, nature versus nurture. And he says that it's impossible because it's always the interaction of the two. You cannot extricate one from the other. They affect each other and influence each other. So they're inextricable. And I thought about that a lot because, you know, I mean, at some point, hopefully every thinking human being reflects upon their personality and how it's been formed by their experiences. And you just realize you could drive yourself in circles because you can never take one out of the other. Mm -hmm. You are who you are because of both of your nature and your nurture. Mm -hmm. I think nature versus nurture and that idea, I would, I like how it's applied to Loki, but I think there's another character that comes like about 10 episodes from now that it really applies to. And that would be very interesting to analyze with that mindset. So I'm very excited for when we finally get to do them. All right. Well, let's end the episode on that note. (laughs) Not because we're going to do that episode right now, but just as a general thing of like, and moving on <laughs> yep well thank you so so much this was great as usual and i appreciate you for having all. us yeah thank you thank you both yeah great yeah. discussion mm-hmm. i yeah. feel bad because laura brought notes and i just <laughs> I, oh, that's, I this is what I do every time that's my process <laughs> yeah don't feel bad it's fine everyone has their style and you are who you are right so. <laughs> yeah it's okay you're fine you bring plenty of relevant discussion without notes it's okay everyone has their approach <laughs> yeah all right well good night thanks so much bye good night bye Thank you so much to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Alley Cat, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tacos, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, Alex, Misty, and Laura. Your support is truly appreciated. Yeah.